It is Thursday, October 15th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, social media's number one smoked meats influencer, J.P. Shadrick. Uh, welcome in. It is Jaguars happy hour on this Thursday. It's week six. The Jags and the Lions coming up. We've got Jeff Lagerman coming up, Tony Baselli as well. And then at five o'clock, the Doug Marone show. Here's what's coming up on the program today. Jags Lions preview. The Jags are back home. They haven't been home in a little bit. The only home game in this month stretch. Uh, two back-to-back road games the last two weeks and then home this week and then out to L.A. next week. So, got to get a little home cooking this week. Got to get a little offensive balance, too, according to Jay Gruden. We'll bat that around a little bit. The defense getting healthier. The frontline guys who were out last week at least are back on the practice field somewhat this week. Tony Baselli, as we said at 4.30, and the head coach joining us on the Jaguars radio network at 5 o'clock. Jeff Lagerman, Jaguars analyst joining us now and here we go this is a game logs that you just need to get this one after the the bad taste the last four weeks it's a young team they've got to get some confidence back and and finish a game and a winning result is is badly needed at this point uh in a big way and uh when you when you work so hard and you got a young football team and you're, you're trying to tell them, that, hey, look, if we do things the right way and we do this and we do that, then we're going to win. But then you continually lose. It's hard to get some type of positive reinforcement. I mean, it's just human nature that you want to have some type of reward for all your hard work. And then once you get to the point where, okay, all of a sudden you're, you're real off, you know, five losses, six losses, seven losses, then, you know, all of a sudden the season is lost. And then it's a matter of becoming the old term, ah, you got to be a professional. You know, nobody wants to play football to be a professional. You play football to win and then to advance. And so, I mean, obviously it's a very long shot for this football team to kind of bounce back and, and get itself involved in the playoff picture. But uh, for a young team, look, you just want to compete. You want to be competitive. And right now they're not being competitive. You know, I mean, a few of these games are competitive to a certain point, but then the opponent is running away with it. And, that, and that's hard to stomach sometimes, and it's hard to take, you know. And that's why you have a lot of little sour attitudes, you know. I mean, some, some, I think the first couple of weeks of the season, things felt a little better. You get better answers, you know, when you talk to the players, and they're a little happier, a little bit more chipper. And then all of a sudden, after four consecutive, JP, not so much. That's uh, the way it works. Got to get those winning results in the NFL. Let's get to the injury report today. It just came down from the Jaguars PR staff. The list is not quite as long as it was last week. There are still a lot of names on the list. Uh, guys who were full today, though, include Daniel Aquale, defensive lineman. C.J. Henderson, who was limited yesterday, the cornerback, full today. That's good news. Miles Jack. Same exact thing. Limited yesterday, full today. That's great news for the Jaguars defense. Brandon Linder had a scheduled off day yesterday. He was full today. Now, Josh Allen has been limited both days, Wednesday and Thursday, coming off his knee issue. Uh, LaVisca Chenault did not practice yesterday, limited today. But he played last week, of course, after not much practice at all. And then, uh, most notably, guys who haven't practiced yet this week, uh, DJ Chark, wide receiver, 
tight end Tyler Eifert and linebacker Dakota Allen. The uh, Charquin is a little scary there, Logs. That's never good news when your top receiver has not touched the practice field in two days. Well, it's never good, and, and it's never good either when he only has three catches for 16 yards in the previous game. You know, so uh, I remember in the course of the game last week, there was a point where he, he ended up going off to the sideline and he was kind of limping, and obviously that's where he hurt this ankle, which is what's on the injury report. And uh, look, uh, we've seen how this team played without him, which was the Thursday night game against the Miami Dolphins, and the team had like no juice offensively. So if he's not able to play against the Detroit Lions, you can't go back to that to that type of an offense. And then one thing I said about after that game is that that's absolutely no reason for your offense to have no juice. You, the, no one guy, with the exception of maybe a quarterback and an offensive system, is that important to an offense to where you, you slump that badly in one week because of a wide receiver's absence. You, you, got, you got a good wide receiver group. You know, Keelan Cole, LaVisca, uh, the, the young yeah. guy, Colin Johnson, I mean, all these guys are, and Chris Conley, I mean, these are all legitimate guys that can play. I'm not saying that they're superstars and they're not Pro Bowl caliber guys by like DJ, but they're good enough to get you by for a period of time. So if DJ is not available, and I don't know if he is or he's not going to be, they need to play better than they did on that Thursday night game. Uh, one more uh, addition to this injury report. Avery Jones, limited yesterday with an ankle and a hamstring issue, did not practice today. We'll get to the defense a little bit later in the show logs, but let's start today. Let's continue on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, the, the main talking point this week for Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator, was still trying to find that balance in the offense. Gardner Minshew threw the ball 49 times last week. Let's hear from Jay Gruden now. He said there's an ideal number of attempts for Gardner Minshew, and it certainly is not 49 times. We won one game, and he threw the ball 20 times. We're really probably about 27 or 28 times because he had a couple scrambles in there and, and a couple sacks. So uh, that's the ideal number for us. Unfortunately, uh, score-related, we weren't good enough on offense in the first two or three quarters to keep the game uh, close where we didn't have to throw the ball. You know, I feel like against Cincinnati – uh, obviously against Miami, and then last week against Houston, you take a whole quarter out of your uh, out of the game as far as being able to run the football because you're playing behind, you're playing against the clock as well as the, the other team. Uh, that kind of skews the numbers. But in a perfect world, this offense is built on balance, and uh, 25 to 30 times is the target number, in my opinion. Which would have been the number, certainly, uh, because he had some scrambles and some sacks in that game week one to make it between 25 and 30. And you see, um, you know, every time the Jags have lost, he's had to throw the ball 40 or more times. That's not the recipe for uh, effective, balanced offense logs, especially when you have a running game that has been effective when it's been used. Uh, I, I, I kind of have, I don't want to say an issue with, with what Jay Grew is saying, but... I want to point one thing out and that, you know, you, you kind of, he's kind of looking at the tempo of the game and as to why they didn't have the number of carries in the running game and why they threw the ball so many times. But at the same token, in the ball game against uh, the Texans, I mean, th the reality is in the first half offensively, you had plenty of opportunities to actually take the lead in the first half. You know, so it's not like the game got out of hand because 
that was something that was out of your control. I mean, the game was a one possession game all the way until the third quarter. You know, so and and it should have been not even a one possession game. The Jaguars should have taken the lead at some point because towards the end of the first half there you had uh what was it uh, th- uh third and goal at the 3 and then you know, tr- end up trying a little chip shot field goal and yeah. that's no good. You get no points out of that and then you turn around and get an interception that the city Jones had and then you have an opportunity to do something there and then you come up with no points there and then you have another opportunity with the fourth and one and that was uh, right there in the tight red area and you were not able to do anything with that either and you know so so all the way through up until that fourth and one you had control of the game as far as you could have done whatever you wanted to do you could throw it you could you could run it you could have balance uh you could have fan, you could have sat there and fed james robinson the ball a ton of times um I just think it wasn't a very good game for Jay Gruden uh, and the coaching staff, you know, for a couple different reasons. One, you didn't have balance with the play call. And even, go, even if you go all the way back, you, you roll the game back and you stop the numbers right there at that fourth and one. And you say, okay, let's go back and let's look at what the run-pass ratio was. It wasn't very balanced at that point. And I think that th- that's got to change. I think it's putting too much on a Gardner Minshew's plate. And you need to take a little bit of pressure off of him because right now, your quarterback is not playing well enough to be able to carry the load. That's a fact. And so if he's not playing good enough to carry the load, then you've got to take the load off of him and you've got to find a way to take the load and put it somewhere else. So here's, a, here's another thought about it, too. Obviously, the Texans entered the game last week, the, the last-ranked rushing defense in football. The Lions this week are the 32nd-ranked team against the run. But when defenses are struggling, at least statistically, against the run. Can they scheme things defensively to make teams throw? You know, there's, at some point, there's so many guys up front and coming down that you have to throw the football, right? I mean, is that, is that another way to look at this, too? Yes, I mean, that can be the case. And, and if you go back to the Blake Bortles era, that's what you saw, because Opponents were like, yeah, we don't care about Blake Bortles. I mean, let him beat us. If he, if he can beat us, you know, then we don't deserve to win a football game anyway. You know, you're not seeing that now, JP, to where you're saying, you know, eight-man front, nine-man fronts, and crowding the line of scrimmage, yeah. and then they're daring the Jaguars to throw the football. You're, you're not seeing that. So uh, I just, you know, because when you refer back to what, where the opponents were ranked, and obviously a lot of times st- statistics can be kind of – torqued and, and interpreted however you want to it's in, to some degree. But when you look at the opponents that the Jaguars have had, when I mean, you go back last week, they were what? Houston was dead last, right? Go back the week before that, Cincinnati was about dead last, if not dead last. Then you go to the week before that, and it was uh, a Miami Dolphins team that was like 27th against the run. So, I mean, you're talking you know, a three-week stretch here where you're, you're facing a bottom five opponent at stopping the run, but yet you're not, you're not calling. And the Miami game, I get it because, you know, you kind of fell behind, and so the, the tempo of the game was very different. But the Cincinnati game and the game against the Texans, the tempo was still there that you could have continued to stick with the run, but you, you called a little bit more pass. And look, I, I don't want to get to the point of where you know, you're trying to criticize the offensive coordinator, be, but 
But, you know, because I think Jay Gruden is a wonderful coach. I think he's one of the best in the league. But, look, offensive coordinators and coaches can have bad games too. I mean, that, that's allowed to happen. And I think that the Texans game was a bad game for Jay. I think it was a bad game for the coaching staff, offensively speaking anyway. The uh, Jaguars are, what, 26th in the league in rushing the ball. Going back to statistics again, you can torque them any way you'd like, as you said. But they're, um, they're pretty good in terms of runs, uh, yards per play, ninth in the league. So when they do run the ball, Logs, it has been effective. James Robinson's a big part of that. The offensive line has certainly a major role in that in this running game when it is rolling, can be quite effective for, the te- for this team, uh, as you see by the yards per play in, in the run game. Well, in this past game, uh, I talked a little bit about, about third down as an offense to allow you to continue to run the football. And, and again, you had those, those opportunities as an offense because you, know, you were converting, I want to say it was like 50% on third down uh, against the Texans, 8 of 16 to be exact. So uh, you had the opportunity to run the ball for whatever reason you chose not to. And I think the one, the, the play that, you know, everybody kind of shook their head at, and, and I think even Jay Gruden admitted that it wasn't a very good call, but it was that little wildcat sweep pass that James Robinson was going to throw it to James O'Shaughnessy. And if you want to question the call, that, that's fine, because that's what people do. You you question play calls, and I don't think it was a very good call. But then I also look at the play, and I go, okay, if it's called, then let's look at the play and the execution of the play. I thought the execution of the play was poor. I thought that uh, from, from a number of standpoints in that you had about four guys on that play that didn't even come close to, to executing at the level that it needed to be, from James Robinson to your fullback to – James O'Shaughnessy, uh, to your tight end that was staying in the block. Uh, there was four components on that play that didn't perform anywhere close to where you needed to be at. And for me, if you have a play like that, it's got to be, you got to be rolling downhill. When I say rolling downhill, you're, you've got the opponent on the heels. You've got maybe a, a, a lead. In the ball game, James Robinson has been a, a, not a dominant player, but has been an impact player in the game. And at that point, James Robinson was a little bit of an afterthought. So all of a sudden, to expect the defense to go, oh no, James Robinson in a wildcat sweep, we've got to come up and stop him because he's been gashing us. Wasn't happening. Right. So uh, and obviously, uh, that wasn't uh, play calling at its best, in my opinion. But if it worked, I would say that's a great play call. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and Gruden did admit that this week, that, you know, it's probably a better third down play that gives you the fourth down cushion there. But uh, hindsight, as you said, is twenty twenty. Let's uh, touch on this line. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it a good here. third down play either, JP, because you know what? You, you're running on third <laughs> down, and if you don't make it there, then you try to run it again on fourth down. I mean, it's it's it, that's one of those plays where you run when you've got a lead, you know, and you're just, you're just dogpiling the opponent on the ground. And James Robinson is kicking everybody's rear end. That's, I mean, for me, that's the kind of call that I would like to say that situation for where you're trying to just slam the door shut and, and make it, you know, a three-possession game or, you know, something of that nature. But 
in that situation yeah. where you're where you're behind and you're just trying to to get the lead, and uh, n- no. Or go up two scores, something like that. Let's get to the Lions defense quickly here, Logs. You go through the depth chart, and it's not like there are household names jumping off the page at you for the Lions defense. Uh, Jeff Okuda well, was the one that stood what? out to me, obviously, the rookie what? corner. Who, who are the household Who are the names well, which, on this which, Lions defense to look out for? <laughs> Chris Spielman, Robert Porsche, Darius Slay. Uh... <laughs> I'm joking, because I mean you're right. I mean it is this is a, a Lions defense that that doesn't have a lot of names, but it's got a few names now uh, that are pretty good, and and a lot of those names you probably would recognize them in a New England Patriots uniform, and with a Detroit Lions uniform you're probably not recognizing them because uh, Deron Harmon is a safety, he's a former Patriot. You've got uh, a Jamie Collins who's a former Patriot. You've got uh, uh, Danny Shelton, who played for the Patriots, Trey Flowers, who played for the Patriots. I mean, so if they were wearing Patriot uniforms, you'd be going, ah, I know that guy, but they're in Detroit, and not many people know that they made the move. And obviously, Matt Patricia having the, the New England connection, that's why you see a lot of those guys that are there. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's not a lot of household names. And the reason why is because Detroit hasn't won a lot of football games. It's no different than. If you ask somebody in Kansas City or somebody in Detroit about, hey, do you know who plays for the Jaguars defense? And they'd probably go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clay's Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Jalen Ramsey. But, I mean, it's, it's not the case, you know. So uh, when, when you play teams and they win and they're good and they're on TV, it's a little bit easier to know their names. And right now, the Detroit Lions haven't been very good under Matt Patricia, and so we haven't seen them a lot. Uh, we haven't had the experience of facing them much, so you really don't know them. Let's come back. We'll flip Hi, around. I'm Jaguars defense of- this week gets Matt Stafford and Adrian Peterson on the other side of the ball. Also at 4.30, Tony Baselli joining us. That's just a few minutes away. From right now, Doug Marone show coming up at 5 o'clock, and we're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday on the Jaguars Digital. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Headquartered right here in Jacksonville, the CSI Companies is one of the fastest-growing staffing firms in the nation. As a proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars, CSI knows how important it is to find the right people for your team. See why some of Jacksonville's top companies choose CSI for their staffing needs. Visit thecsicompanies.com or call 800-582-0828 today. That's 800-582-0828 for the CSI Companies. If something's been hurting, aching, or bothering you, don't ignore it any longer. It's time to take care of your health again. 
It's time to make an appointment with a Baptist Health primary care doctor or specialist. Call 904-202-4U to schedule a virtual visit or see a doctor in person at a Baptist Health location. The time for better health is here. Call 904-202-4U or visit getbetterjacks.com. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity why do you choose farah and farah first we have the financial resources to take on any insurance company and our track record proves that we know how to win our attorneys and staff are a team and we've worked together for decades to us our job is much more than just a paycheck we love to help and this is important we never forget it's not about us it's all about you. Farah and Farah, Jacksonville. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. You, you know, when we flipped the tape on on uh, Monday afternoon, I was like, damn, he's still running like he did when he was 22 years old. Um, you know, he still has his unbelievable jump cut. You know, I think it was uh, nine years ago we played him in Seattle, and I think he's still running somewhere in Mexico. Um, so uh, he has the ability to make people miss, and he runs extremely, extremely hard. And uh, you see him play behind his pads. It's going to be very important. He really likes to be able to get the ball to bounce, so I think our guys on the perimeter and the edges have to be able to tackle well. But it's a credit to him how he's taking care of his body. Um, you know, through all the years and the pounding that he's taken, you got to give a lot of credit to men. There's a lot of uh, uh, respect for him in our building and obviously is from us as a coaching staff. Todd Walsh, Jaguars defensive coordinator, of course, discussing Adrian Peterson, the veteran running back and the future Hall of Famer. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli coming up in just a little bit here. Um, you know, obviously, you you look at this Lions offense, and Matthew Stafford's the first guy you, you look to. He's been there for a long time now as the franchise quarterback, but they've added Adrian Peterson in the running game this year. He is fifth on the all-time rushing yardage list in the National Football League, about 800 yards shy or so of Barry Sanders. Talking to Fred Taylor today, Logs, it, it kind of... Fred said that, yeah, that's that's probably really what he's going after because the rest of the guys on the list are a little too far out there. But once he gets to Barry Sanders, then you might see him uh, at some point maybe back off the accelerator a little bit. Uh, he scored three times all-time against the Jags. Two of those came 
in the first game of the 2012 season in Minneapolis. That was his first game coming off his knee injury, and he scored twice that day, and that well, turned out to be a great football game in Minneapolis at the old Metrodome that day. Um, I'm curious how much juice he really has left in the tank. It sounds like Wash feels, you know, it's a similar feel. I mean, he's not as huge as Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry likes to bounce it outside and go against little guys on the outside too. Yeah, a little different though. I mean, did did you see the Derrick Henry <laughs> stiff arm again on Tuesday night? I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I'm sorry, different. but Adrian yes. Peterson, okay. not trying to criticize him or anything of that nature, JP, but he's never had a stiff arm like that. Uh, but he's a he's Nobody been a has. great back, and and I will say that I don't I don't necessarily agree with uh, you or Fred thinking that trying to get to Barry Sanders is kind of what he's shooting for. I think he's going for Emmett. I mean, that's 3,894 yards away. And Adrian Peterson needs the money, and he still feels like he can play. So why not go for it? Uh, they're going to have to kick him out of, the, out of the National Football League. I mean, that's just kind of his attitude. And he's been a, a great back. He's been a powerful back. And I remember when he was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, I've got a lot of family on my mom's side that – reside up there in the Dakotas area. And of course, they're all Minnesota Viking fans. And, and so my cousin Dan calls me up and he says, you know, what do you think about this guy, Adrian Peterson? I said, I think the, the Vikings got the steal of the draft, you know, because he was a running back and, and he kind of fell a little bit. And he's been nothing short of fantastic. And, you know, that the, the reason why that he is in Detroit, Daryl Bevel, who was his first offensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings is the offensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions now. So there's some film, uh, they're familiar with each other. And Darrell Bevel still believes in Adrian Peterson. He's still a good back. Now, the one thing that, that Adrian Peterson does not do well, that kind of, I don't want to say makes your offense predictable, but it certainly changes the way you look at it, is that when Adrian Peterson is on the field, he's not a very good receiver. He hasn't been great in protection. Uh, in his past. I think he's gotten better at it. And then he's got hands of stone. So uh, that's never been his strong suit. You know, when he is on the field, you know, it's either going to be run or play action. And, and I think from a defensive coordinator standpoint, you don't sit there and he doesn't give you sleepless nights as a receiver threat out of the backfield. Matthew Stafford has twice played the Jacksonville Jaguars in his career. He's come away with two winning results. But he has zero touchdown passes, zero interceptions. The Jaguars in those games have turned the ball over to the Lions a few times, which uh, helped the Lions get those two victories. But uh, well over 40,000 yards in his career. He is the franchise quarterback in Detroit. And, you know, it, it, what kind of play has he put out there this year, Logs? Uh, not great. Uh, completion percentage, just a, a little bit over 60%. Um, last year, prior to his back injury, he was having a career year. I mean, he was dominant and had a back injury. And so over the last two weeks, because the Lions are coming off of a bye week, so last weekend, this week, there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of questionings from the press up in Detroit, and namely to the head coach, Matt Patricia, and also the offensive coordinator, Darrell Bevel, about is there something wrong with Matt Stafford? 
And, and Daryl Bevel actually came out and talked about Matt Stafford's feet. And uh, in fact, uh, we're going to look at the feet tonight on Jaguars All Access in the film room because when you watch the film, a quarterback, just like a baseball player when you throw a baseball and a quarterback when you throw a football, not to oversimplify things, but it can be kind of simplified that way, and that if your feet aren't in position, it's very difficult to make certain throws and in some cases to make any throws. And when you watch Matt Stafford, there's two plays that I'm going to show you tonight. And JP, you sit there and you watch him and you go, one of them, he's got a four-man rush. And then when he, when he drops, he's in shotgun, he gets the snap and he takes a couple steps back. And you would think that, okay, no pressure, four-man rush, confidence in the offensive line, feet would be calm. His feet looked like he was having a couple, cover zero, all-out blitz coming in his face. He was panicked. And he ends up throwing uh, an interception on a pass that was intended for T.J. Hawkinson in the tight red area, and it was, it was terrible. And it all started with the feet. And the mind has to be calm a lot of times for the feet to end up being calm. Another throw that he had later on should have been intercepted. He's uh, got an impending hit, and so quarterback's got to have a little courage and stand in there and throw off the back foot just like a pitcher pushing off of the mound. That's what he drives off of and gets his velocity and the power to make the throw. And instead, he kind of just throws it up. And when he throws it up, it's just literally a wounded duck in the air. And the only reason the New Orleans Saints didn't intercept it was just because they had one guy that didn't even see the ball that was playing man coverage, and there was a safety playing from the inside that it was just too far for him to make it. But if there was a, a split safety, it would have been an interception, and, and the New Orleans Saints were headed down the field for a touchdown. So Matt Stafford is not playing great. His feet have been unsettled. And you got to try to keep it that way. And I know that that's a lot to ask a Jaguars defense that hasn't rushed the pass or affected the quarterback much. But you got to find a way to to affect him because if you don't, Matt Stafford can can light you up. He's capable of making some great throws, and he's got a pretty good amount of wide receivers, not just in the wide receiver group, but the running back room and the tight end room. All right, uh, Logs, let's come back. We'll get into some of the Jaguars' defensive guys that could be back on the field this week and a couple of guys who stood in their place last week and played pretty well, and we'll see if they have a role moving ahead. Tony Baselli joins us as well. At the top of the hour, the Doug Marone Show, and this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Looking to be your own boss in a proven business model? 
Do you like construction and working outdoors? Superior Fence and Rail is franchising in new markets all over the Southeast. From Birmingham to Savannah and even a few more markets in Florida. Come win with Superior Fence and Rail and redefine the fence industry. So get off the fence and call Superior Fence and Rail to learn more about starting a fence franchise today. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com at Tropical Smoothie Cafe, one taste and you're hitting refresh now. Palm trees swaying now, letting loose now, busting a move now. Cranking up the beats now, hands in the air now, feeling free now. You're on Tropic Time now. And right now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe, try our watermelon mojito and guava margarita smoothies. And you're tasting fruity now, sipping sunshine now, toasting summer now. You're on Tropic Time now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Slot right, Blue 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. Jaguars fans, let's tackle social injustice together on game days with Selfies for Change. Visit TIAABank.com slash Selfies for Change to take a virtual selfie with a Jaguars player and unlock a $5 donation to the Jaguars Foundation to help fight social injustice. Share your photo on Instagram or Twitter using hashtag Selfies for Change so more fans can be part of the movement. Join us on game days at TIAABank.com slash Selfies for Change. TIAA Bank is the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, based on the practice we just had, I feel good with where the team's at. You know, a lot of times when stuff's going like it is, uh, you know, you get a lot of finger pointing. A lot of, oh, well, I'm doing my job. And we really don't have that. Everybody's on the same page, you know, trying to find solutions. Um, that's really all we can ask for. Uh, I'm, you know, couldn't be more happy with the guys that we have. And, um, you know, I'm excited to keep pushing and keep going to war with them. Welcome back. That's Gardner Minshew, of course, Jaguars quarterback earlier this week. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli joins us now from way out in Ponte Vedra. Tony, good afternoon. What's up? Oh, what's going on? Oh, you know, getting ready for week six. That's, uh, that's about it. We'll get to the offense coming up. I know, uh, Tony, you had plenty of comments about the offense on Monday's show, and I'm I'm guessing you might have a few ideas or comments about this week. So we'll get to that coming up. We want to continue this defensive conversation Logs and I were having. Uh, we were talking about the Lions uh, guys, but let's shift it over to the Jaguars now. There was a trade this week. The uh, Jaguars traded a 2021 sixth-round pick for Kamale Correa, linebacker uh, to, of the Titans, and the Titans' 2021 seventh-round pick is coming back. Uh, first off, Logs, what kind of – deal is this what kind of player is Correa and Cassius Marsh was cut today well let me start with with the cut Cassius Marsh I think uh almost every week you'd watch him you'd see him be out of position and have a mental error and if you're going to make mental errors 
on a, on a football team and you're not a great player, you're not going to last long. And, and I think that's why they decided to try to find out what they could about Correa. And Correa is a, what kind of a player is he? Uh, he's a, he's a try hard type of guy, plays hard, plays physical, is uh, probably not super athletic and not super fast, but he's going to give you everything he has and he's going to be consistent. And right now you'll take consistent and somebody that's not going to make a whole lot of mistakes. And he does give you a little bit of pass rush. Uh, he's not a big time pass rusher, but he does give you a little bit. Yeah, right. I mean, so there's I, I, the addition. I mean, he is a, yeah, he's a, um, he'll be consistent, but not impactful. If that, I mean, he's not going to change the game um, where all of a sudden, like, wow. I mean, that's what you'd expect. I mean, you gave up a six rounder and you got a seventh back and uh, the player. So, but he's solid. I mean, I, you know, he, I think Blee started his career with the Saints, then went to the Titans. Um, he's a guy who, you know, I think he's probably he's more physical than Marsh. Um, I don't think he's as athletic as Marsh. Um, he's a average pass rusher, um, but I mean he's a solid player. I mean I, I think it's an upgrade. That's yeah, what they're I, looking I wish, for. I wish and, that Marsh uh, maybe they found it. You know, JP and Tony, I wish that Marsh just didn't have the mental errors because I mean he's got he's got some physical attributes. I mean he. He's got the flexibility to play special teams. He's, he's athletic and fast enough to do that. He's uh, athletic and fast enough to play linebacker. He actually has some decent pass rush technique. But uh, if, if you're not sure of what you're doing and you're going to have mental errors, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to keep a guy in that capacity. And you know, the, the one thing I will say about Correa is watching him Tuesday night and then also we had to watch had a chance to watch a little bit of film on him leading up to the Titans, and he didn't see the field a ton, but we got to see a little bit of film. Uh, he's not moving quite as well as what I've seen him move in the past, and maybe that's just because of the limited reps. Sometimes a guy's trying to get into shape, and he, he has a tendency to play himself into shape, but uh, I'm going to be anxious to watch him, you know, because he definitely gives you a great motor, great intensity, and a physical presence, but can he be... Uh, athletic enough and 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 good enough to give you a boost. Well, Jeff, you bring up a great point. I got, think about it. He's got, he's coming from a Tennessee Titan team that it's not like they're very good on defense. I mean, they played better on Tuesday night. Before that, they were not good at all, and he couldn't get on the field. Rare in-division trade. Let's move it uh, forward a little bit here for the Jaguars' defense and touch on a couple of guys who stood in last week in starting roles and performed pretty well. And I'm curious what kind of roles they will have moving forward after what they did last week in uh, Houston. Sidney Jones, obviously one of those, the cornerback, who played very well, obviously, in the game in Houston. And Dwan Smoot, who had a handful of quarterback hits in that game and the only Jaguars' sack. Uh, what kind of role do you see for these guys? Tony, we'll start with you. Logs, we'll get to you next. Well, I think Sidney Jones is going to come in on nickel. They'll move Trey Herndon into that nickel position, and Sidney Jones will be the other outside corner. I mean, I assume, you know, C.J. Henderson will be the starter again. He practiced full participation today. Um, and so I think you'll, you know, in regular personnel, first and second down, you'll have uh, C.J. Henderson, Trey Herndon out there getting to the nickel, which is um, about 60 to 70% of the snaps. I think Sidney Jones will be the other outside corner. 
And as far as Dwayne uh, uh, Smooth, yeah. I think he's he's a rotational player. He'll continue to be a rotational player. Yeah, and for for me, uh, watching Sidney Jones, I don't think there's any way you can't start him in some capacity this week. He just played too well. I mean, somebody tell me the last time a defensive back had an interception and got his hands on another one that was nearly intercepted, and then, oh, by the way, had about three pass defense and was making contested catches with the wide receiver. You haven't seen that out uh, we, of Trey Herndon. Week, you haven't, week, week haven't one, seen that one, out of CJ. your first-round draft pick rookie. Well, Jeff, but week one, you know, C.J. So Henderson me, had the exact same thing. Yeah, I know, but that was week one, Tony. This is now we're when week five. You know, <laughs> I know so you I'm not me, saying that you, you start him over your rookie. You I'm just saying that yeah, you we, have to have him on the field in some capacity. If that means a, a, a reduced role for somebody else, then that means a reduced role for somebody else. I mean, game day is about performance. And, and I think if you, if you don't play a guy like him and give him more reps and more opportunities or a starting role, what are you telling your team? Uh, oh, well, we're going to have a guy that plays really well, but he doesn't deserve an opportunity start. I think that's, that's crazy. I think the same thing applies for Smoot. Even when you get Josh Allen back and you've kind of had uh, Calevon Chazon and Josh Allen on the field at the same time, I think Smoot has earned the right after that last game and he's got to continue to earn that right week after week, but he's earned the right to get more play time. And he may end up having it anyway, you know, depending upon uh, Josh Allen's health. But uh, even if those guys weren't a question mark or didn't have any health issues, he deserves the right to play more. Yeah, but uh, Jeff, I'm not – I mean, they both played well in one game. And, I mean, you asked the question, when's the last time a defensive back did that? Well, week one, C.J. Henderson did. So, um, but if you – I just don't see – I mean, C.J. Henderson's going to start. Unless he's hurt and he's not 100%, I cannot imagine them not starting him. Um, now, are you saying you would bench Trey Herndon in first and second down and put Sidney Jones out there? Um, I guess possibly. I wouldn't. I mean, the reality is you're in nickel 60 70% of the time, so whether um, he's the actual official starter or not, he's going to get a ton of reps and he's going to play a lot out there. Um, as far as Smoot, I mean, there's no, no chance. There's no chance he's starting ahead of Josh Allen. Um, the reality is, is Josh Allen, you're starting defensive end. And then the question is opposite him. Is it going to be Gostas or Smoot um, as the starter? I'm fine with Smoot being the starter. I think he's probably performed better than Gostas. Um, but they're, they're, it's, they're both rotational players to me. They're going to split time and, you know, and you're going to see probably equal amount of reps by the end of the game with Cable on chase on, you know, coming on third down, some pass rush situations. And being Josh Allen's backup, I mean that's my guess. I mean, but you might be right. Maybe they make wholesale changes based on one game. No, I'm not talking about uh, having Smoot play over Josh Allen. That that's insanity. But I mean, on the opposite side for Gotsis, and then yeah, when you get to a sub situation, when you know if you if you have, let's say you're playing a, a bigger nickel and you're looking for a defensive end, I, I think right now. Smoot is giving you more as a pass rusher, more as a run defender than Caleb on Chazon. So I, I yeah, think yeah. that, you know, when Josh is back, Josh is obviously out on the field, but then you would have to work Caleb uh, into the rotation, but Smoot would be the primary guy. That's fair. I mean, I, I can't argue. I mean, Caleb not giving you a lot in the run game, especially pass rushing. He's athletic, but he's not, in my opinion, he's still kind of, honing his craft to be a natural pass rusher. So I, I think that's fair. Well, he's, he's raw. Uh, really yeah, he's raw. very raw. But I, I'll be interested, to your point. I mean, Sidney Jones played really well. 
um, his length. He has more speed than Trey Herndon. Um, do they bench Trey Herndon and just make him the full-time nickel and start Sydney outside? My guess is no, but, you know, you've lost four in a row, given up over 30, you know, 30 plus, at least 30 or more points each of those games. You know, why not? Yeah, I just, I just think that to uh, stir it up. Sydney. Well, absolutely. And the one thing I liked the, about the way that Sydney Jones played is that he got his hands on receivers. And you've, we've heard Todd Walsh talk about that for a couple of weeks now, about how he wanted his defensive backs to get his hand, their hands on people, obviously in a legal fashion. And the number of catches that even if the receiver made a catch over Sydney, he was right there to, to, to contest the catch. And haven't seen that a ton from, from Trey Herndon. And I like Trey Herndon. I mean, I, I thought Trey Herndon as a nickel, trust me, as a nickel, I thought Trey Herndon, Tony, you remember the game, how physical he was yeah. coming up into the line of scrimmage. And that, I mean, great job. Great job. So I just think maybe that, you know, you kind of maybe flip the roles a little bit and let Trey be that nickel because DJ's still on IR and is going to be out for a while and let Sidney get more reps on at the corner spot. And, and if that means starting Sydney, I'm okay with that. If it means rotating Sydney in more to lessen the reps that uh, Trey Herndon gets at that corner position, whatever it takes, you know, just Sydney has earned more reps this week. We'll see if they uh, give them to him this week as the Jags face the Detroit Lions. Let's come back in a moment. We'll get into the offense again with Tony. Uh, the Jags looking for more balance on the offensive side of the ball. And yes, kickers another kicker for the jaguars will uh, play this week we'll get into the history of this many changes around the national football league it's jaguars happy hour on the jaguars digital network Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at DreamFindersHomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity i'm jacksonville jaguars general manager dave caldwell did you know you can ride your bike to every jaguars home game at tiaa bank field and valet it for free stop by our bicycle check-in tent sponsored by alert today florida near gate one at tiaa bank field an on-duty zen cog bike professional will park your bike and ensure it's secure during the game when the game is over return your claim ticket to pick up your bike for cycling safety tips, visit alerttodayflorida.com. Remember, alert today, alive tomorrow, because safety doesn't happen by accident. Go Jaguars. Like working outdoors and want better pay and benefits? Superior Fence and Rail is seeking full-time fence installers with pay ranging from $16 to $25 an hour and more with commercial experience. 
Superior Fence and Rail will train you to work with their professional team and provide you with all the tools you need to be a top-notch installer. Get off the fence. Call Superior Fence and Rail today and start your career. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com Committed to the team. Committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high-quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission. We're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members. Because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those who serve. Slot right, blue 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember anything anything like this. I don't think anyone anyone has been through uh, anything like this as far as the people here. Uh, whether it's Joe D. Camillus, Mike Mallory, or any of the other coaches. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, um, you, know, you want to be able to, to be able to do a, a, a better job coming in there when you have an opportunity. But I think there's a, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Unfortunately, a lot of, you know, of the, of the other, you know, the players that we've had have been injured. You know, they've gotten injured, which is, is crazy. Head coach Doug Marone asked about the kicking situation earlier this week. And welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Buscelli, the Doug Marone Show coming up uh, in about uh, 11 minutes from right now at the top of the hour. Um, let's, let, we'll, let's get to the kickers and we'll move on to the offense, Tony, to wrap the show here. The Jaguars, if, if John Brown has an attempt this week for an extra point or a field goal, will be the first team in NFL history with five kickers to attempt a field goal or extra point in a five-week stretch. It's never happened in league history. And per the Elias Sports Data Group, there are only four teams since the 70 merger that had five different players attempt a field goal or an extra point in a single season. The Jaguars will become the fifth all-time. This is uncharted territory in the kicking game, guys. Tony, what do you think? Um, yeah. It, it, I, if I'm not mistaken, it'll be John Brown's first kick ever in a game. Um, Correct. I mean, Correct. He, he's never, he didn't kick in high school. He played soccer, which he's a very good soccer player. Uh, walked on at Louisville, I believe, after playing uh, soccer at Kentucky or something. Um, and never and never attempted a kick. And now he's going to be rolled out on an NFL field on a Sunday in a game. And he might have to kick the winning field goal. Uh, and it might be his first kick ever field goal. I mean, he might have a couple of PATs, but it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You see, you know, it's happened in the NFL every once in a while. And I've been on teams where, like you have a run of injuries at one position group, like maybe the offense line gets beat up one year or, you know, DBs or whatever it is, but never the kickers because they don't do enough to get like, what do they do? But we've had hips and groins and 
everything else you can imagine. And it's one of those years that, boy, uh, the kicking game will be interesting on Sunday. It's been an adventure uh, the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it, uh, uh, Josh Scobie ought to start working out because uh, he's next. <laughs> I, he might uh, be able to do I it. talked to Scobie. <laughs> he, I, 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 yeah, why not? Just... I mean, yeah, he probably could. I mean, Josh still looks to be in, in good shape, but I mean, this is uh, you're, you're getting you're getting pretty far down the line when you're when you're signing the kicker, who uh, essentially had a couple stints with I think the Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers, but hasn't kicked in, in a real NFL game. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, Logan Cook is probably every day goes in and, and has to remind himself of who he's talking to and who his, his kicker is. I mean, that's just, just crazy. But you know, hopefully it doesn't come down to a kick like it did last week. I mean, last week he ended up having Hauschkamp end up missing a couple of kicks. It was critical in the ball game. To be perfectly honest with you, the offense should have done better anyway to where they weren't in a situation of kicking field goals, except for that one that was, I think, at the end of the first half, the long one. Uh, the rest of them, though, they shouldn't even have been trying field goal. I asked Scobie the other day, uh, hey, when was the last time you, you kicked a ball? He said, when cargo shorts were cool. So it's been a while, and I think he's out. He's not uh, coming back anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, speaking of the offense, uh, the big talk this week, Bo, is the balance. Jay Gruden wants to get back to that balance. Uh, they didn't have that last week. 49 passing attempts for Minshew, eight or what, 13 rushes for James Robinson. That's got to be a little more equal for this offense to really hum. And Gruden said it himself, between 25, 30 attempts for Minshew is ideal. Well, this is the third week in a row they're playing a defense that's just awful. It's back-to-back weeks where it's the last, uh, it's the lowest rated defensive uh, uh, rushing defense in the NFL. Uh, the only reason the Texans aren't in last place because they we didn't run the ball against them. Um, so I don't think there should be balance, JP. I think it should be an imbalance, and the imbalance should be giving the ball to James Robinson and whoever else you have back there, Chris Thompson, or I mean, I don't care who it is. This is a bad rush defense, and we played a bad rush defense last week, and for whatever reason, um, we decided to get away from it, and um, that needs to change this week. Be imbalanced the other way. Yeah, two two consecutive games to where you had the opportunity to maintain balance and you and you didn't do it. And I, I think the disappointing thing is, is that you talked about it. You know, it wasn't like something that you just didn't you weren't aware of and 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 you weren't uh, uh, trying trying to attain some balance. And and this past week, you, know, you just you didn't have any balance. And James Robinson came out. He looked good. The offensive line was doing good. And the, to be honest with you, I mean. I, run it. I mean, the tackles were handling J.J. Watt. They were missing a, a, a run-stuffing, powerful linebacker in Benardrick McKinney. You know, so, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what it was that they saw that they said, okay, let's just throw the football more. But, you know, hopefully this week they get back to some balance and hopefully James Robinson can can really have a, a breakout game because he's because he has a lot of opportunity. You know, because I think he's capable of, of controlling a football game, and I think the offensive line is capable of controlling a football game. And obviously, you still have to throw the ball occasionally, but, I mean, you, know, you can't just come out and run the ball 100% of the time. Uh, but you got to have 
I think when you when you talk about balance, I think in last week's game, even the week before that, and then this week against the Detroit Lions, I think you need to find a way to be 50-50. And, and I think that should be a goal that you, you should meet. Yeah, this won't be like uh, the Steelers' regular season game in 17 at the end of the game where they ran like, what, 14 straight times for a touchdown? Remember that? Why not? It's not going to feel like that, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe Why it will. not, JP? Why shouldn't they? I mean, I mean, they've been imbalanced with throwing the ball, and they have not been effective. I mean, they're not scoring points, if you look at it, and they're, fin- they're struggling in the red zone, at least last week they did. So why wouldn't you run it more? I mean, I'm not. I'll go back to what Jeff said about you know, why not start Sidney Jones? Why not give more reps? I mean, based on um, what they did last week. I mean, I, I would I would really look at you're playing a terrible defense. They can't stop the run. Run the ball. Be imbalanced that way. Right. We we get Tony's take on this. It's uh, pretty obvious what he would like to see uh, this week, and uh, we'll see if the Jaguars can can balance things out. So uh, we asked Logs at the top of the show this, but Tony, our, our parting shot with you. This is a, a a game, you know, four straight losses. It's a young team. They need to get some a shot of confidence somehow and get a winning result this week, obviously, uh, to kind of get back on the right track here because. Uh, it could slide pretty quickly, but so far, as you heard Gardner say, they feel like they're kind of keeping things together, but they need a winning result to kind of pay it all off, it feels like. Yeah, winning cures everything. And, I mean, these losses are stacking up, and I think they've been bad losses the last few weeks. Um, you got to find a way to, you know, you got to find a way to play good on both sides of the ball. I thought the defense played pretty well last week for three quarters. The offense gave them nothing, didn't do anything to help them out. Um, here comes the Detroit Lions. They got talent. I mean, they got. I, I mean, Stafford might be a little bit shaky as far as uh, protecting the ball, but guy can play quarterback. Galladay, their uh, wide receiver, is a big time player. I, I mean, they have decent um, offensive line, and uh, this is not an easy matchup. It's not a great team as far as record wise, but you got to find a way to get a win somehow, some way. Got to get it done this week, Logs. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a tough matchup for the Jaguars, and, and the reason I say that you got to <clears throat> Matt Stafford, and if it's not a tough matchup if you can keep Matt Stafford from performing better than he has recently, because his feet have been bad, his accuracy hasn't been great, but if he's on and if he's playing better, which the Jaguars have allowed over seventy percent completion rate, he's got a lot of weapons and across the board, and that concerns me. All right, so that's the final word on the Jags-Lions matchup this Sunday at TIAA Bankfield, a 1 o'clock kickoff time. Uh, but, hey, no Thursday night football tonight, Tony, so uh, it's now on a Monday night. How about that? Things are changing. It's the world of uh, the pandemic, and uh, you know what? If, uh, just sit back and uh, don't make too many plans because it can change at any moment. It can, and we'll uh, obviously try to get you back on those broadcasts as soon as uh, as possible, and uh, we'll hear about those games as we uh, move ahead here. So uh, that'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour. Tony, we'll talk to you on Sunday in the Publix Tailgate Show. All right, sounds good. See you guys. Tony Baselli, out of here. Jeff Lagerman will stick around, and I hope you will as well. The Jaguars Radio Network coverage begins In just a few moments, the Doug Marone Show is coming up next ahead of the Lions-Jaguars matchup in week six. 
For our entire crew, Jeff Lagerman and Tony Baselli, I'm J.P. Shadrick, and thank you for listening and to watching Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.